Can you hear me? I feel like I need to stand down here. I don't like standing up here. I'm going to stand right here. All right, listen. I have one request. I have candy. Actually, there's two requests. One, please don't take a whole entire bag of candy for yourself. Please share. That's what we're all about, right? And then please throw your trash away. All right? So I'm just going to throw some candy. Watch out, Mr. John. I'm just kidding. Y'all, y'all share some candy. Here's some candies. Wow. That is my wife right there. Hey guys. I'm being serious. We're going to need Bibles tonight. So if you don't have one, Mr. Corey and Mr. John and Mr. Ross back there can probably help you out get one. I did. I did. Hey guys. Uh, I'm excited to be up here. Um, I have, I've been anxious and excited, all these emotions, um, because when it comes to the Word of God, I want to handle it uh, properly and truthfully, and so um, that's what I hope I can do tonight. Uh, thank you all for letting me be here. I thank you, uh, thank Pastor Jesse for letting me be up here. Um, so I'm going to open up with an introduction of what we're going to talk about tonight, and it actually might be a little bit longer than what you're accustomed to. But I want to make sure that we set the foundation right for what I want to get across tonight, what I think God's Word is telling us, or one of the things that God's Word is telling us out of Second John. So we're going to be in Second John tonight. Um, does everybody know where Second John is? Uh-huh. Okay, so you are paying attention. Now, uh, the next question that I have is, um, where did we come from? Where did we just come out of? First John. Okay, so you're paying attention. Do y'all have a guess as to how many weeks we're in First John? 16. Not 16. Five. We were actually there like 10 or 11 weeks. Is it 10, Pastor Jesse? 11 weeks. So we, we should be experts at First John, right? All right? Would you agree? If I, if I gave you a test right now, would you be ready to pass First John? Okay. Jail. Hey, jail is always the answer. Hey, it's a good thing that we are going to be, that I consider us experts uh, with First John tonight, because we're actually going to be flipping back to First John a little bit. Um, we're going to, like I said, we're going to be reading from Second John. Next week, uh, Mr. Corey is going to be up here, and he's going to be uh, leading us from Third John. Um, and we're going to see some differences in Second John tonight, and then Third John next week from First John. And I kind of want to talk through those a little bit. Um, uh, PJ mentioned, uh, sorry, I'm going to call PJ. That's I have, I have Pastor Jesse in my notes. PJ, <laughs> PJ mentioned a couple of themes back a few weeks ago that he was preaching from, from 1 John. And really, for that direct message, it, it spans across the entire book of 1 John. Um, does anybody remember those themes? There's, there's three words. Say it. No, that's right. You had it. I think y'all had it. You have so we would pass the test. Y'all, y'all are experts. Y'all are experts on First John. So truth, obedience, and love. Well, I'm going to make it easy on you guys. We're going to talk about the same things tonight. Okay? And you're going to see that in Second John, a lot of those things can be applied out of God's Word. Um, 
I, I, I told Pastor Jesse I got scared because I've been gone for two weeks and I was preparing this message while on vacation. And I was like, oh man, I need to do the questions like Pastor Jesse, right? And so I, I pulled up his podcast from a couple weeks ago, and here's him going, truth, obedience, and love. That's what we're talking about tonight. And I was like, he's going to think I copied him. He's going to think I copied him. But, but that's what's cool about 1 John, and that's what's cool about 2 John, is like, it's almost like a summary letter. It sums everything up that we have been talking about in 1 John. Um, so I'm going to kind of go through some questions, like I mentioned, um, about Second John and see what y'all know about it. Um, I know we haven't talked about it, but I think you're going to know more than what you think you do. Who wrote Second John? That's right. John allegedly John wrote it. It was probably around the end of his life. Um, some some say. It could have been written before 1 John. We don't really know, but we give a 90 to 95 AD time frame for that. Um, do we know who it was written to? You don't. Wait, who are we talking about? The church. Believers. Yes. We are believers. We are the church. 2 John is a little bit different, though, tonight. 2 John is actually written to, uh, in the ESV version, it says an elect lady. Okay? It's an unnamed lady. So that's different from 1 John. Um, and you'll see with Mr. Corey next week that Third John is written to a guy by the name of Gaius. Or Gaius. I think it's Gaius, though. Um, and so you see personal correspondence letters in Second and Third John. Okay, these letters, uh, tonight's, um, tonight's passage is only 13 verses long. Um, so it's really unnatural to, for um, the New Testament writers to write a letter or an epistle to a church that was this short. So in my studying of God's Word and some other sources, I'm, I'm thinking that John was writing to a lady tonight. There's some people out there that thinks that this lady that we're going to see is a, a symbolism for a church. But I think God's Word tells me that this is a lady um, and we'll see why, because it talks about her having kids and, um, and a house and everything. Um, and so we get down to the question that Pastor Jesse always asks of why was it written? And yeah, Jesus is always a good answer. But there's something unique about what's going on in Second John that I want to get to before we actually even open up Scripture. There was false teachers that were threatening the church. Now, First John actually has a lot of messages about false teachers. I'm sure y'all remember some, but this letter, 2 John, is a bit different. Um, these false teachers were conducting ministries at the time, uh, going around churches and even, as we see, John's congregations, and they were basically trying to make converts for themselves. Um, it was like an invasion of sorts, and so one of the things that Christians were asked to do in that time was to be hospitable to these people. So these preachers would go around, they would be traveling to like city. It would be like if we were preachers and we went up to Brunswick. Like nobody would really know you up there. And so they would need a place to stay. And so the Christians were typically called upon, churches were called upon to host these people. Um, at the time, like if you stayed at a hotel back then, it was more of like a really gross place, like diseases abounded, like you didn't want to stay there. So you would want to stay with people who had nice homes. Christians had nice homes, and, and they were very hospitable. 
And so when you let these false teachers in, their lies and their deception started to spread like a disease, not only among that family, but then that family would go to the church and start spreading lies, and, and it would spread like a disease. And, and maybe, maybe that, that false preacher or that false leader would go to the church with them and start spreading their lies. Um, and, and these false teachers actually made a really good living spouting deception at this time, twisting the gospel, sometimes only slightly, to make it not fully true. Um, so one of the things that these false teachers at the time were, um, they had their focus on was a really funny sounding word uh, that Pastor Jesse taught us. It starts with a G. Gnosticism. Gnosticism, that's right. Uh, Gnosticism was uh, that belief system that these guys um, that these false preachers were typically wrapped up in. Um, if you remember, not Gnosticism, I'm going to say it right. Gnosticism was like, uh, it was very malleable. So like it was easy to be like warped a little bit. And, and it had a lot of trappings of other religions at the time. So like you had Egyptian religion thrown in there sometimes, Persians, some Christian ideas were thrown in there. But there was a lot of Greek philosophy actually. Um, and if you remember, it was all about like the spirit being good and the physical body being bad. Y'all remember that? Pastor Jesse's been uh, hammering down on that. And so this letter is basically, you'll see there's a warning against that strategy. There's a warning to this elect lady to be sure that she knows what the truth is. And so that's what I, that's bottom line up front. That's kind of what I want us to get out of this tonight. That's what I've gotten out of as I've studied through the scripture is truth. I wore my shirt for it. I don't know if y'all remember, we did Truth Be Now back in 2022. I love that. We were in John, though, um, the book of John. But we're in 2 John tonight, and we continue to see these themes through Scripture as we go through it. And, and so there's a reason for this writing. It's, it's to call people to live in the truth. There's an ever-present danger of false teachers out there. There's an ever-present danger of false teachers at the time of Second John, or at the time of John writing Second John, there's an ever-present danger of false teachers in our world right now. Um, our relationship to the truth has got to be the priority. And as I mentioned, First John, it abounds with language that talks about false teachers. Uh, I took down some scripture, uh, chapter 2, verses 18, verses 22, verses 23, a good chunk of chapter 4. Uh, John was writing saying, hey, they're present. They're given a false standard of salvation, and I want you to know what the truth is. Um, we're going to see that sound doctrine, that's another word I might throw out there, sound doctrine, the truth, is the test of fellowship. We're going to see that in Second John tonight. Overall, the Bible is chock full with truth, divine truth, God being the truth, Christ being the truth, Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth, the Bible being the truth. The scripture is actually called the word of truth in certain senses. And so we as believers, the truth is everything to us. We're judged by the truth. We're set free by the truth. We love by the truth. We're loved by the truth. Um, we rejoice in the truth. We're supposed to worship in the truth. The truth really should be the lens that we look through everything in our life. The lens that we look at school, our jobs, our churches. Everything that we do should be through the lens of truth. 
And so you'll see in Second John that it's written to a people in a world of lies. Um, and, and Pastor Jesse says it all the time. You're either growing toward Christ or you're growing away from Christ. You're either living in one or two realms. You're either living in the truth or you're living in lies. And so what I want this, this message is not intended to be a scare tactic. I know Halloween's coming up. Um, we think of scary things like monsters and, and ghouls and that stuff in a scary sense. But what scares me is a lack of the truth. What scares me is the fact that we as believers in Jesus, we're surrounded by liars. We're surrounded by deceivers who have an ultimate goal to trip us up. And so they want you to believe their lies. They want to gain converts for themselves. Um, we're going to talk about this. John has a unique name for these people, and it surprised me when I started studying uh, the scripture tonight. Um, I'm not going to give it away. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and get into the word tonight. But um, I have Mr. John Fenstermacher. He's going to help me read some scripture tonight. Uh, so, Mr. John, if you wouldn't mind coming up here. You don't, do you need a mic? Do you think I need a mic? I don't think what? he does. Oh. Here, I can stand close to you. Hey, that's not... I'm, okay. No, 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 we're good. <laughs> All right, so what do you guys normally do when we read the Word of God? And you read it with me, right? I mean, you don't read it out loud, but you're reading along as well, right? All right, cool. So we're going to start out uh, for... Where are we at? Second John. All right, cool. Let's start in the first verse there. Make it a little bit easy for us, all right? <laughs> so I have the title here is Greeting the Elect Lady. So verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I have loved in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth, as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk accordingly to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming into the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Verse 12, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. We'll go ahead and pray real quick. You guys got a cover. Go ahead and take it off, please. Heavenly Father, just thank you for the opportunity to open your word and just to get uh, together with a group of um, our fellow believers, your children as we hear here. Um, just thank you for the loving mercy that you have written these things down for us so we might be able to read it and strive to understand it so we can seek your face and become more and more like you. Thank you again for your loving mercies, watching over us, protecting us, and just pray that you would give us the words that we need to hear tonight, that they be the words from you and uh, not of our own making. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Give a round for Mr. John. 
Mr. John was the only person I could find that could read tonight. That was weird. Um, anyways, uh, so let's let's dive right in. What I want to do is we're going to take a look at this whole letter. We're gonna, just going to break it down, start from the finish. It's only 13 verses. Um, and I want to start right here at the beginning where it says the elder. Um, remember, John begins the letter, uh, or excuse me, John wrote the letter, and he begins the letter referring to himself as an elder. Um, now, what do you think... When you hear the word elder, old yeah, old, right? I'm not calling any names out there, but um, so elder, right? An old person. This was probably written at the end of John's life. Remember, all the other apostles that John ministered with and and basically came up with, they're they're gone, right? And so this really isn't as much of an age standpoint as it is his spiritual oversight. Like the apostles are gone, the church had been established. You have elders and pastors that are like shepherding the church. But what's unique about John is John was like the elder of all elders. He was the only alive apostle that personally knew Jesus Christ. He had seen Jesus out on the cross. He had walked with Jesus. Um, the identification to call himself an elder gives him huge weight and authority. And so we see the elder John speaking to an elect lady and her children. John simply identifies the lady as elect. She's chosen. It's a common way to identify believers in New Testament times was that you were elect. And it's really a designation that belongs to each and every one of us who belong to Jesus Christ. We're elect. We're chosen. We should celebrate that. And so John continues and says, Whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Right off the cuff, we have to pay attention right here in the first four verses. Let me read that one more time. Because of the truth, starting in verse 2. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Is there a word that's sticking out to you all in those first four verses? Huh? Truth. Command's there, but truth is actually there um, five times in four verses. That Greek word, I'm going to teach you a word tonight, aletheia. That's fun. Aletheia is the Greek word for truth. And, and in every sense, what John is getting at right here is that he is controlled and motivated by the truth. John wrote this letter to call us to that same life in a world, as, as we've already talked, in a world of lies and liars. Truth is going to be huge in this, this letter. So I want to talk a little bit about why we need the truth. Okay, As, as I've said, we live in a world presided by, um, the arch, presided by the arch nemesis of truth, which is Satan. He's the father of lies, and he dominates people. Um, so that they don't know the truth, so that they fail to understand the truth. And, and when it comes to Scripture, as I've mentioned, tons of references to false teachers, liars, and deceivers. We already talked about it in First John, but you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, turn to verse Timothy, you can turn to Second Timothy, um, turn to Romans. Uh, we quickly start to see a picture unfold that you're either living in the truth or you're living in the lies. So if you're not 
in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you live in a realm of falsehood. You live in a realm of deception. And that's how the world lives. If you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's how we, that's how you and I once lived before God opened our hearts to the truth. Um, now, notice how John links himself to this lady. He says, I love in the truth. So he's united to her in the truth. There's a bond of love between her and the truth. And that's the same for us in this room tonight. The truth actually unites us as believers. Look around you right now. We're here on a Wednesday night studying scripture today, together. We're studying the truth together. So we have a bond. We're a family. I told Mally, Miss Mally last week, we were on vacation. I got homesick because I wanted to be here. This is my home. I missed y'all. I missed my church family. There's a bond that the truth forms. And the truth frames and controls our love for people. That's pretty cool because we think of love as Valentine's Day and, you know, the little, the little candy hearts that have messages and stuff. But we see John talking about truth guiding our love here. When I was in college, uh, highly recommend if y'all go to college, BCM. It's a great organization. Um, when I was in college, BCM was my family. And we were united by the truth. I love those people because we were united in the truth and they love me because we were united in the truth. And so we see that it's the truth that bound John to her. It bound John to her children. We see she has children. And I want to go back to 1 John 5.1. 1 John 5.1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And so you really can't enter this association or you can't share these affections without having that common belief in the truth. And so that's what John's getting at. Love demands the truth. You can't minimize the truth for really the sake of love. The truth unites us. So I know that's a lot about truth. You're going to hear me say truth a lot over the next few minutes. Truth, truth. If you go out of here tonight and say anything other than truth, I'm going to be disappointed. Um... So looking at verse 2, so we're not only united by the truth, but the truth resides in us. Verse 2 says, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, that means that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you receive the, the knowledge of the truth, and it's with you forever. That's pretty cool. And look at verse 3. There's three things that are mentioned in verse 3 that comes from the truth, grace, mercy, and peace. Those are all wonderful things to have in our life. And these come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in what? Truth. Truth and love. So as we continue going, verse 4 actually starts kind of like the main body of John's letter. And John says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now, he literally said, I'm very glad. It's like he said, Eureka, I have found that people were walking in the truth. And so John puts an idea out here about walking. And so it's literally like the idea of moving through life. You're walking, you're conducting yourselves within like a bubble of the truth. They were literally controlled by the truth. Their lives were defined by the truth. It's not a, it's not a belief, but it's a way of living. If you're a Christian, the truth defines the way you live, the way you walk, the talk you talk. 
if you know Christ, we live in the truth in the sense that it boundaries our life. Again, it's like a bubble that, that we walk in. So John continues in verse 5. He says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning. Lost my spot. But the one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. So I want to talk about love for a minute. You learned from the very outset of being a Christian that you were called to love one another. Now, John says that this is an old commandment, and he repeats it at the end of verse 7. And if at the time of John's writing, if you were a Jewish person, you knew this. You knew that you were called to love. And we know it too now in this world. In modern day, 2023, Camden County, we know that Christians are called to love, right? Now we know, and the world knows, that that is indeed something that is supposed to happen. Now I want us to go back real quick, because since this says it is an old commandment, what does he mean by old? I want to look at the Old Testament for a second. Now I want to go all the way back. First five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the law books. The Old Testament wasn't just about the law. Have you ever read Leviticus? Have you read Leviticus? Raise your hand. It's rough. It's very rough. Um, there's parts of Exodus and Deuteronomy that are rough. But there's cool stuff in there. And when I was preparing for this, um, I found some cool stuff that shows that the law was about love too. Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all, the, and with all your soul and with all your might. And Leviticus 19.18 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So there's two love sections there. And then let's fast forward to the New Testament. Do y'all remember that story in the book of Matthew where the Pharisees were trying to trip Jesus up and they were like, oh, what's the, be- what's the most important law? What does Jesus say? Does anybody remember? Huh? Love, yeah. You summed it up a little bit. So he, he summed it up in love. He said uh, that love is, uh, or he basically recited the Old Testament law of love, saying love God and then love others. And so when you look at the Ten Commandments, I remember telling Miss Malley about this, and she, <laughs> she was like, I knew that, and I was like, well, I didn't. But anyways, um, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first half, the first five commandments are about how you love God. So like you can basically say, if you love, then you won't blank. And the second half of the Ten Commandments is about loving people. Like, if you love people, you won't steal. If you love people, you won't kill them, right? So that was really cool to me. And John in Second John says, I'm not writing to y'all something new when I call you to love each other. Love is the defining mark of a true believer. And uh, the defining mark of an unbeliever is that he hates his brother. That isn't anything new. You've always known this, not only from the beginning of your salvation, but all the way back in the Old Testament. So I, as I was going back through 1 John, something jumped out to me. And in uh, 1 John, verse 8 of chapter uh, 2, I'm going to read that. It says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true and in him and in you. So 1 John, John writes and says, well, this is a new commandment. And then in 2 John, we just hear him say, wait, or he didn't say wait, but he says, this is an old commandment. So what, what is it, John? What are you talking about? You can't have both ways, but we got to look at what John's talking about here. 
The command itself is old. We just looked at that in the Old Testament, right? From the beginning of when we were saved, we knew to love others. The old commandment is part of the life. But what's new, what John is talking about in 1 John, is that it's new because it's true in Christ, like it's never been true before. Never have we seen what God really looks like the way we saw it. This is John talking in Jesus Christ. And we can say the same thing about us in 2023. Jesus is a perfect model of love. The disciples saw this perfect model of love. There's a lot of uh, supporting scripture that I want to give you, but I will, give, I will run out of time quick, that talks about how the command to love isn't new, but it is new in Jesus Christ. Now, real quick, I want to talk about obedience. So I'm flipping back to 2 John. We're going to be flipping a lot, and I'm sorry. If you, if you get to a point where you're like, whoa, I'm lost, raise your hand and say, hey, Chad, slow down. 2 John, I'm in verse 6. Verse 6 says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And what does He say next in verse 7? For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So, We've already mentioned it, false prophets. John here uses the word antichrist for these people. That's the word that surprised me. I couldn't believe that John would call some, like I, thought, I think of the antichrist like when you read Revelation, right? Like the antichrist, but John here calls them antichrists. And so these people, the way you start thinking about this in the, in the way that John wrote this letter is, they kind of sneak into Christians' lives. They sneak into the church. They're like reefs under the ocean that capsize a boat that you can't see. And so a lot of times in our world, we might not be talking about Buddhists. Like I've, I've totally enjoyed Mr. John's Sunday night messages because we're learning about um, other religions and, and the thought processes that go into that. But a lot of times we're talking about people that claim to know Christ, that claim to say they have a relationship in Christ, but they, their actions and their lives don't reflect that. Scripture says Satan may actually appear as an angel of light. John says if you're going to live in the truth and you're loving the truth, you really have to be loyal to the truth. And again, 1 John goes through so much of how to identify false prophets, these false teachers First um, John chapter 2, verses 18 says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. John had already written this before, and he's writing it again here. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. That's where that Gnosticism comes into play there, not believing that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And so verse 8, John continues, he says, Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. John says, be careful. There are antichrists out there. There's deceivers out there. And in the context of this letter, it's incredible that he's telling this lady this because remember at the beginning of tonight's message we talked about what christians were called to do they were called to be hospitable so you look at romans 12 13 listen to this contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality 
And Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So this lady, whether she had let a false teacher into her house or not, it's incredible because she's reading this. She's like, well, Scripture tells me to be hospitable, right, John? And John is saying, hey, be careful. Watch yourselves. And in verse 9, John says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And look at, look at verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. John says, hey, don't let him in your house. And so for us, we already know that antichrists exist. We know false teachers and deceivers and liars exist, exist out in our world, outside of these walls. We have to remember that, and we have to take John's exhortation here and apply that to our lives. And that's why I'm challenging us, myself included, to live in the truth. Do we know what the truth is? Do we live in the truth now? Do we know people who live in the truth? And maybe we want to know how to live in the truth, but we don't want to be seen as like we don't know what the truth is. And so John finishes this letter out. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. And then he finishes out the letter. He says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. This, the, the shortness of the letter is why I personally think that this is written to an actual lady. Um, it could have been written on one sheet of papyrus paper back then. Um, and you look at the length of 1 John, it's pretty long. But as we close out tonight, I want to I ask you again what those three key words are that, that I asked originally that jumps out of John's first and second letter. Truth, obedience, and love. And so I want to I challenge you, will you be the person to stand in the truth? Because right now there's a lot of complacency out there. There's a lot of complacency in the church. Really, over the last 20 years, and maybe even longer than that, um, I'm almost 30, so I'm just going to say maybe over the last 30 years, the big cry of these deceivers out there is like, hey, you have to love me. You're a Christian. You have to love my life. The church has to be marked by love. You're part of the church. We have to love everybody. They're always going to be demanded to be loved. But what I want to, cut, but I, what I want to uh, challenge us tonight is for us to be loyal to the truth. And the truth is God's word. The truth is scripture. I found a pretty cool quote by this guy named Oz Guinness. And he says, The church in its effort to become relevant has become irrelevant. I'll say that again. The church in its effort to become relevant has become irrelevant. So if you're sitting here and you're like, well, that's the church, right? Guess what? We're the church. We are the church. You are part of the church. You are the next generation of the church that's coming up. And so that has to sit in and sink in with us. We can't become something relevant with the world and be marked in the truth. Scripture, like 2 John that we just went through tonight, will make us odd people in this world. It'll make us an odd church. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Again, that's why I appreciate what Mr. John's been doing on Sunday nights. He's teaching us what we believe as Southern Baptists. 
a lot of us might not. I'm, I mean, there's I'm I'm learning stuff from that. And and one more thing, and I'll close this out. Talking about love, we got to remember that love and truth are inseparable within the bounds of our faith. Okay, truth must always guide our exercise of love, and love must stand the test of truth. If you compromise the truth, you compromise the unity and love that Christianity offers. Um, I always I've told my my guys before because um, when it when when we talk about this, I know there's there's always some concern about going out and telling people about what the truth is, right? Um, and so you say, well, how do I know what truth is? I don't know what love is. Well, I, I first always ask, well, are you studying God's word? And are you putting into practice the love that God's word provides for us? Are you treating your neighbor how you want to be treated? Maybe there's a friend that you know that doesn't know the truth. Um, and, 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 or maybe there's a friend that you have treated with maybe not so much love in this life. And so think of that person and pray for that person. Go up to that person. Maybe they're in this room and solve that tonight. Um, write them a letter. Pray for that person. Um, I remember I was going to say what I've said before to the class is a poor presentation of the truth can save, but an excellent presentation of the error will not. You don't have to be a theologian to go out and tell people about Jesus. So as we close out here tonight, I'm going to ask Pastor Jesse to come up here and pray for us. Um, if you guys, I just want y'all to know that we as leaders love y'all to death. And um, I mean, y'all are our kids. I have a baby back there, but y'all are my kids too. I'm not old enough for y'all to be my kids. But anyways, y'all are my kids. Y'all are all of our kids. And so we love you to death, and we only want the best for you. And that best for you is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you don't know who Jesus is, come talk to one of us tonight. If you don't know what the truth is, what, did, what was Chad talking about? I don't know what he's talking about the truth, right? Come talk to somebody. Write it on a card. There's always this basket up here to drop prayer requests in. You'll get prayed for. Um, thank you all. And I'll let Ms., uh, Pastor Jesse close us out.